This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 166, Intentional Parenting with Katie Hughes. This is an encore presentation of episode 44, which originally aired in July 2019. Our favorite kind of feedback on our podcast work is when our listeners share with us about the episodes and messages and personal impressions that are deeply resonating with them. Mm -hmm. We love hearing how listening to the podcast helps you to feel buoyed up, supported, and enlightened. Our other favorite feedback is when you tell us how much you are loving the brands and products that we recommend. For example, I think it's safe to say that not a week goes by that we don't hear from someone thanking us for telling them about Shine Cosmetics. And for a very good reason. Yes. Once you try their products, you'll see why Shine is our go-to brand for makeup. Not only the quality, but because everything they stand for is empowering women and girls. Plus, their ingredients are gluten-free, cruelty-free, hypoallergenic, and paraben free. It's hard to pick just one favorite product, but we highly recommend the BB cream, lip gloss, and their concealer is the best we've ever used. Visit shinecosmetics.com and enter the code Becky at checkout to save at least 10%. And you can use that code every time you place an order. Do you know when you meet someone and you're like, yep, that's my instant best friend. We are going to be soul sisters. Well, that is Katie. That's Katie to me. And Becky, you would probably say the same thing. I totally would. Maybe just a little bit. And so Katie, thank you for being here with us today. I'm so happy to be here. It's going to be a great conversation. And before we dive into what we are here to talk about today, which is going to be rich and good and wonderful, um, let's talk about you and get to know you a little bit and also how we connected. So as far as I remember, and... My memory's not always the very, very best, but we've known of each other for a number of years. And you can share your piece of this, you know, also, but like, I just know, I knew of you through the brands, you know, the companies that you were running and just, I don't know how our circles overlapped, but we were at a a women's retreat of sorts a couple of years ago. And that's where we actually met in person and we shared a bunk. Yes, or something. Oh, I didn't know you shared the same room. Yes, I mean, it was tight quarters. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women in a small place, but it was so much, so much fun, right? Anyway, and we, I just will never forget the conversation that you and I had sitting on the floor. Yes. Right? And Mm -hmm. I couldn't even tell you to this day what we were talking about, Mm -hmm. but your spirit and your goodness and your light was like screaming at me like this woman is amazing and I don't mean to make you blush but like that's the feeling right you know how they say you never remember what somebody says but you will always remember how they make you feel Mm -hmm. and our conversation that night whatever it was about and maybe you will remember was just so meaningful and so valuable in my life at that time and it was a real connection. So that's that's what I remember. What do you remember? I remember that too. I felt an instant connection to you. Yeah. I remember. I, I also don't remember what we were talking about. But I remember yeah. sitting on the floor. I think you guys were talking about how like there was a hole in that conversation. <laughs> and how like there might be a third person out there There's somewhere. Who also. <laughs> maybe we were talking about new kids on the block. That yes, could have been the perhaps. other Perhaps. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, what do you remember about that? Yes, I remember about that. I remember just feeling also of your spirit and our hearts connecting. Yeah. And this it was a, a conversation filled with love. 
Yeah, it sure and, was. Um, and then I remember meeting you, Becky, um, just at a recent show that I I go to in Arizona. There we were. And there, there we you were. were. You came, <laughs> and, and I am so happy to have met both of you in that sense, like to have seen you, both of you together, and how well you work together. So it's really fun to be able to be on this podcast and to see both of you doing this and doing it so well. Well, thanks. We sure love it a lot. Well, and there was a fine connection, Becky. Yeah, I was just going to say, so um, when I met Katie, obviously instant love. And then as we were talking, we figured out that um, Katie is actually really good friends with my best friend, Amanda, who you guys have heard me talk about. They recently moved into the same area together and have really bonded too. And they moved around the same time too. Yeah, They were both new Mm -hmm. to the area Mm -hmm. and... And they made an instant connection. So that was just, you know, it's a small world. It's a small world. Small little circle of love, isn't it? And you know what it does? It starts to feel like God really does place specific people in our lives when we need them. Mm -hmm. I was at a field trip and I volunteered. I didn't know a soul. And this was in the fall. And I remember being there at lunch and um, someone was asking me a question. I showed my family and this person, Amanda, reached over and she looked at that, you know, the phone closer. She's like, wait, I know your husband. And so she actually went to school with my husband. Amanda went to school with my husband. Um, she was a year younger than him. And anyways, we were able to connect. We sat on the bus ride the whole way home, gabbed away. And actually, at that very moment, I needed someone to gab with because I was missing all my friends from Arizona yeah so this was like this perfect beautiful moment that God placed in my life Mm -hmm. and so fun to have these connections you know more and more more of these connections as we as we meet people and and Amanda is the best she really is and And what we'll link to the uh, episode that she was on because I can't remember off the top of my head which episode that was it's like in the first 10 and it's called overcoming discouragement yeah um and it's an awesome the thing I love about this story though is You know, we talk about this so much about living with your heart open and living open and willing to give love, willing to reach out when it's uncomfortable, willing to be the friend, willing to do all those things. Mm -hmm. And all of these relationships we've just talked about were 100% a result of like getting outside of yourself and just loving. Totally. Right. And being open to it. Yeah. Being open to it. And as women, we need those connections so much. But such a crucial piece of getting that real fulfilling and lasting connection is being open, is reaching out, is is sharing your heart. And so I think it's really interesting that we all kind of came together in various different ways, but it all sprung from that same fountain of love. Right. And openness. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to echo just that whole thought about just women need women. I really Mm -hmm. believe that. I think God places exactly who we need in our lives at the very moment we need them. And I also like the thought that we are needed. We are needed as women to connect in our spheres, in whatever we're doing, you know, um, whatever position we're in or whatever um, neighborhood we're in. Yeah, phase Even of the life. grocery store. Like yes. I go to the grocery stores when I um, was a young mom, I would always go the same day. And I realized I saw those like Tuesday grocery goers mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Like the cashier became mm-hmm. a friend, right? And I so we have these really circles. Sorry, I just really feel like I need to be more scheduled in my grocery shopping. I'm feeling so like unorganized. Oh, let me tell you, not anymore. I need to be more regimented in my grocery errands. <laughs> this was when I had young kids and, and errands like that, I would like kind of create a schedule because it gave me some like some motion mm. and some purpose in, in days no, that were good. stretching mm. endlessly on. It yeah. seemed like when I was really um, with the littles. And so no, now I don't do that. Now it's 
whenever the heck I can get there. Sometimes <laughs> 1130 at night. Yep. Sometimes and often. Well, Katie, yes. what would you like to share with uh, those of our listeners who are not already familiar with you or even of the projects that you have or the brands that you've been associated with or companies that you've been running? What's the best way to explain who you are and what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so I, um, was born and raised here in Salt Lake. Um, when you say here, so we're, we're physically recording this in Salt Lake City right now because Becky and I are here for podcast work. And yes. so we were able to capture Katie while we were in town. So yes. yeah, Salt Lake City. So it is really fun because I have the view of these beautiful mountains that I, um, you know, was raised in and, um, just love this great city so much, but I really hadn't lived outside of my own zip code until I moved to Arizona, and we lived there 13 years. It was a really hard move for me. Hmm. But it was in this time that I moved to Arizona that I really, I think, you know, came to find out really who I was and discovered who I was, yes. And so much that when we moved back last summer, this was a really hard transition to come back to Utah. Um, But I've been uh, enjoying my time here and navigating life here in a new, um, new place. Um, and let's just yeah. honor that change is hard. Yeah. Like we can all vouch for that. I think some people deal better th- uh, than others with change. But at the end of the day, change is change. Transition is transition. And yeah. so like if you happen to be somebody who's going through a big change like that, as Katie's saying, like even moving back to her hometown mm-hmm. was really, really hard. And that's okay. And navigating is the best word, right? That's yes. exactly what you're doing. Yeah. So... So, and along the way, I've just, I'm, I kind of have an entrepreneurial spirit. I've, I, I'll maybe talk a little bit about this, um, but I really come from a long line of entrepreneurs. Oh, that's cool. Um, that are women. And, um, and so I, I want to share a little bit about that, but, um, just even right from the get go of being married, um, I hand addressed wedding invitations for brides Mm. and my husband, I remember he came home one day and he actually set me up with this like whole website. And at the time, like the internet was pretty new. Like right. we've been married almost 21 years and we he came and he was so excited. He'd built this website um, and it was so neat to be able to be to this point where we, like brides from all over the U.S. were sending me their envelopes for me to hand address. And oh so my goodness. I called it Artichoke Inc. It was this hand oh, lettering with heart. That's so cute. And um, I did that for several years. I would do it when my babies were growing up um, and stuff. And then... Um, yeah. I never knew that, by the way, Katie. Yeah, that's I've fun. known of several of your things that you've done in yeah. your pursuits, but I did not know about your start. Yeah. And, you know, entrepreneurial spirit to entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. And we all are here sitting mm-hmm. in this conversation. But, like, I love I love the beginnings. So do I. Right? So do I. Love the starting points. Yeah. So then what? And, and that is interesting because I graduated in human development and family studies from the University of Utah, but, um, and I did work within my, um, in my, area field yes Mm -hmm. um for about five years um so i was helping with a nonprofit organization called the christmas box house international and we would help build shelters for abused children Mm. and what they would find is that there wasn't like a halfway point for people to go in between being pulled from a home and then being placed in a home right and so this place became this this facility became this place that these children could go and um, I loved doing that. I loved using my creative like efforts there and a little bit of what I had learned, you know, um, with my major. But um, I think from that, I just felt really like I had creativity. I had like I had a, the capacity 
to give and offer in this way with my creativity and my thoughts go back to a time in preschool and I know this is so funny but I've shared this several times because I can really pinpoint this moment in preschool and I remember painting this image and it was just like that easel like you know like that preschool easel with the tempera paints Mm -hmm. and this big white paper that canvas that is just there and you know as a child you look at that and you think I'm going to paint anything I want. I can do anything I want. And I remember painting this like really colorful zigzag all the way around the perimeter of my my painting and then did little polka dots on the inside. And it wasn't that unique, maybe. But I remember my um, teacher coming over, Miss Mary, came over and she said, tell me all about your picture. And I told her, I said, well, smart teacher. this is an Indian gumball machine, is what I told oh, her. Oh, I love an it. Indian gumball <laughs> machine. And she said, oh, you are so creative. And that has stood out in my mind as such a pivotal moment for me that defined who I was. Wow. And it really gave me, I think, the confidence to feel like, okay, I am creative. Mm-hmm. When we're discovering who we are and... And the kind of people we want to be, it is so nice to have very clear, de- a clear definition of who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is one I've, I've always known about myself. And I think it's because from an early age, I felt this. So, Can so, I say something yes, about that? Yes. I think that I, I just feel a really powerful kind of um, story happening when you share that. It reminds me that while we talk about how none of us should expect or lean on or need outside or external validation, we each have this opportunity every day, really. It doesn't have to be in big moments. That was a small moment, right? Very Your small. preschool teacher mm-hmm. made either a conscious choice or that's just who she is mm-hmm. to say, tell me about this mm-hmm. and oh, you're so creative. That was nothing she would even remember in her entire right. life. And look at the impact that it helped you mm-hmm. because you were so young and so impressionable to identify like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is me. Mm -hmm. So I just think, man, I want to be really, really that much more intentional about the things that I say to people, because even though my external validation should not matter to them, it can matter. It can make a difference in how people view themselves. That's powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think from that, I've been able to, you know, to, um, maybe connect with my own self, like what my, my talents are and, and, and I've actually had a really great supportive husband that has helped me do this too. So from Artichoke Inc. went the next, you know, the next, uh, you know, little business. This was probably my biggest business it's called Vintage Rose Wraps. Um, and we uh, sold sold headbands to stores across the U.S. I would go to market for this. Um, we had an incredible experience doing this. I need you guys to raise your hand <laughs> quietly in your car or on the running trail or doing the dishes if you have heard of vintage rose wraps like of course right so many people have heard of that that's so fun it was so fun it was such a great experience and as much as it takes to build a business it also takes to to die and I, I I hate to say that but it's actually really good because there's lifespans for things and it's okay it is okay right you know let's talk about that one for days yeah I know right that's that's so interesting because I think when we create something um, and, you know, everyone in this room has created has created businesses, there is sometimes a hard emotional pull 
to keep something going when it really, like you said, it's not like you did something wrong and it fails, but it really has just accomplished its purpose totally. and it has run its the course of its life. Yes. And that circle of life in general is such a beautiful thing, right? Exactly. And I love, exactly as it should be. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love how you're saying that because we have a tendency, I know myself, totally looking at myself here, to hold on to things like, that I love or that that have always been and it's much harder to like allow things to go when it's their time right. time to go right right mm-hmm. and I feel like there's such beauty and such power in closing chapters just yeah. so you're saving space to open new ones oh, I mean say that again and put it in vinyl <laughs> on my walls in my home the, okay this is beautiful <laughs> that's such a great way to put it because it's true yeah and just the possibility I mean we don't know what God has in store for us unless we are willing to close chapters so that we can open mm-hmm. up new ones and I've been I've just been so grateful for that understanding um we had a really trendy product we were hoping for maybe five years we got like eight mm-hmm. we squeezed eight out and we it was the time of our life we were making 2,000 headbands a week we were wow. in 2,500 shops across the U.S. Pink was wearing our headbands and Us Weekly and People Magazine That's I mean amazing. we were having these amazing experiences totally. and yet there's just power in being okay with closing the chapter. And I have felt such um, calmness, peace as we've proceeded forth, you know, with other things. And so within this time, we bought another business um, called Flipped Bird. We still do it. It's reversible bags. I say we, and I'm talking about my sister and I. She's my business partner, um, Ginny. She lives here in Salt Lake. And so we've been doing a dual state partnership for a long time and we've been in business 10 years together so we still do that and then um, a couple years ago or maybe about three years ago we started another business um, called Lucky Love and um, this is just a fun business that just really includes everything we want to sell and it sure is yes. and by the way did you notice which earrings I'm wearing today aren't they from you yes aren't they, they yes. are and you were wearing our happy hat a couple oh, of I sure yes. the heck was. yes yes on, on your picture and you wore our lounge dress yes oh I, yes. the yes. lounge dresses so guys, are genuinely love the stuff that they sell it's mm-hmm. so much fun Thank we'll you. make sure that all of this is linked in show notes you guys will know all about where to I find. have to I have to give a plug to the lounge dress because I have one of these. I've since purchased one for a friend. I purchased one for my mother-in-law for Mother's Day. It's like the most beautiful house dress, I guess you'd call well, it, like a lounging, caftan Like, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's so, very cool. So we love selling that. And really right now, we, we just, we're in the phase of life that we're in. My sister and I actually have the same amount of um, kids, and they all stack up the same. Oh, and that's we have so kids fun. In, College, high school, junior high, and elementary. We don't have preschool, so we're in a new phase of life there. But we are like in the middle of it and in the middle of the emotion. I've often told people, you know, it is different when you're raising younger children. They need you in such different ways. And when when you're older... They need you in such emotional ways. I'm sure you probably talked about that or tapped into that. We do touch on that. We just talked about it recording yesterday. Is I feel like when you have little littles, it's exhausting and wonderful, but it's more almost more physical. Mm -hmm. And then you get to that teenage, and it's still exhausting and wonderful, but it's so much more emotionally yes um, taxing. It's just different. Yeah, it's all wonderful and hard. It is, and you know, it's interesting because. when we were going to market two and three and four times a year in Atlanta and New York and Texas, um, we just really um, 
it was kind of felt like the right time to be done so we could be emotionally there for our kids. And, um, and it feels like God leads you. God leads you and you have to make, make a conscious decision. You, he may lead you, but you've got to decide if you want that path or if you want a different path. And I feel really like God led me to, to help me recognize, no, this is a good time to be home, to be present, to be here emotionally for your kids. And I'm finding that, especially now with this move and the transition, um, I'm really grateful. That's I'm able so to cool. kind of be here and be around. Well, more. and that doesn't mean that you've stopped all pursuits right. and all endeavors. So what would you say as we wrap up kind of like, yeah. who is Katie and what are you about? Like, what is the most current top of mind? Like, what are you working on right now? That's a project outside maybe of your home. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, yeah. And then yeah. we'll dive right into a home-based topic. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, home and family is always and will be my passion. Um, I had an experience a few years ago where my, my, my daughter almost drowned Mm -hmm. and it was a life changing experience. I won't go into that, but, um, but it was powerful, impactful, and it really made me consider who, who am I as a mom? How am I making these moments, um, count in my home? And, um, and I think from there, um, I, I really try to make my focuses within my home, but I have room to give and to create and offer outside. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Um, it's a good what, way to put that. Yeah. Yeah. So what I wanted to share is um, I am currently working with something called Multiply Goodness. This is a organization that's a nonprofit organization, and we're just working to build bridges within um, the Christian faith community. Mm-hmm. And we do this by um, offering study guides that can be um, used within um, your homes or within your neighborhoods. And it's a study guide that can be trusted. We have um, several different denominations that actually write these study guides. And you guys do it Mm -hmm. collaboratively. That's That's right. And the point is Mm -hmm. that you really have brought your minds and your hearts together. Yes. And you've gotten to the same place. I love that you say that they are trusted guides. And I want you guys listening to know that Becky and I have and love these guides. And love. so we, we can vouch for them. They are, they're beautiful aesthetically. Yes. And more importantly, you know, for what they can do for you. Thank so. you. Yes. And so we're working to do that. We, um, we are working on a huge event in August called the Jubilee. It will likely be in the fall or late summer every year going forward. Um, and it is just a powerful time for women to come together. Women need women and for us to love each other in our place right where you are. And um, there are some amazing things happening. This is the very first year we're putting it on, but um, we're super hopeful that this could be something that is perpetual, something that is, is, people can look forward to every year, kind of as they start end of the summer and start, you know, the fall time, the busyness of fall life. and Yeah. Stuff, so. Well, since you brought that up, just before we move on, can you yeah. just tell people where the best places to go to understand what Jubilee is and to find out more information so that they can decide if that's something they might be interested in looking into? Yes. It's called, it's um, www.thejubileegathering.com. All the information is on there. We Perfect. have incredible events happening, um, workshops, white tents, food, um, worship music. Um, it is going to be beautiful. And it's um, at Thanksgiving Point in Lehigh, Utah. That's awesome. We have people flying in and um, people close by coming. And it's going to be a great event. It is going to be a great event. We're so excited that you guys are doing that. There's a lot of power in the work that you're doing with that. 
um, organization and in those efforts. And we just, you know, you know this already, but we're just cheering you on and we're supporting you. And we just think it's just such a special and important thing to do. Thank yeah. you. So, and Thank a you. lot of work. Thank you. A lot of work that goes into that. We fully understand and appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Well, you have come prepared to share something that is really near and dear to all of our hearts, um, something that we all care a lot about. But we've invited you, Katie, to speak specifically with, um, to have that conversation with us. And of course, everyone listening is part of the conversation as everyone is individually like processing this and really absorbing the dialogue for themselves and what it means for them. And it really comes back to something that you feel extraordinarily passionate about and how it's made a massive impact on your life and really, in my opinion, makes you who you are. So where would you like to kick off that dialogue? You know, um, I'd love to talk about intentional parenting. I think um, this is something that is we all strive for. I think we want to be intentional parents. And I think it comes easy to some people. And I think it, it doesn't come as easy to others. They're trying to just even navigate just the ins and outs of life. And, and so to survival. be intentional <laughs> on top of it sometimes yeah. seems a little tricky. Well, and don't you think too, um, you know, I have four kids and I feel like all my kids are so different. And that's like the the truth of all truths. Like kids are who they are and, and they're different. And so um, if you have kids that are a little bit more challenging, a little bit more, I'll say dynamic. That's a really positive, Ooh, good, that's word. A good word. Uh, a little more dynamic. You can sometimes fall into these patterns of being that reactionary parent where, um, where you're not having that in, intentional thought process going into it. Not because you're like, you suck and you're not thinking about your parenting, but because some, like the truth is some, sometimes there are kids that are really, really difficult and it can be really hard to kind of get ahead of that curve and to, to break out of that cycle of mm-hmm. just like reacting to things mm-hmm. in the moment. Right. You know, I really feel like um, the children that come, um, you know, these days are, are so strong and they have to be because this world isn't just increasingly hard. We agree. Mm-hmm. You they know, and spirits. so, and I think what you have to do, and I have strong spirits too, and um, I feel like you have to recognize those hard things as really strengths. They're being this stubborn really because they feel very strongly about what they, you know, what they need to do. And um, I think it's a really great exercise of um, in parenting if we can actually transition our thinking to thinking, okay, these, all these hard things I'm dealing with are mm-hmm. actually helping me recognize the strengths of this child mm-hmm. that are going to be the life-saving strengths in the end that help them or help them uh, be the professionals they need to be or in what, you know, or just to survive. Mm-hmm. Really. Totally. I love, I, oh, oh sorry, go ahead. I love that you bring that up because we've actually talked about that. I'm trying to remember if we've talked about it on the podcast yet or not. We talked about it in our live event. Um, but it's that idea of when you take any kind of characteristic, I don't believe that there is any characteristic that is like innately evil or innately mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. But you can have, um, like take stubbornness, right? Like we think of that as a negative character trait, but you're right. If you channel light and goodness through stubbornness, that makes you steadfast, right? right. It makes you immovable. If you channel it through a place that's not from light, then it becomes a bad thing, right? But there's really any characteristic that your child or ourselves have, we have a tendency to put in like, oh, this is good, or I need to work on this and become better. And and really, if you channel whoever or whatever you are through light and goodness, it always is a strength, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that. Like it that. always is something that can further 
any goodness and light and work that you're doing. Yes. I wanted to share a personal story um, that relates to this uh, before we go too much further, because I feel like sometimes a, a direct illustration of what we're talking about. And I, this just popped in my mind when you were talking about that, Katie. And so it's an experience that Becky and I, as mothers of children who are actual real life friends, you know, that we just had recently. And I will just, you know, preface this by saying we never share stories that are too personal. So this is, I feel completely comfortable sharing this, but we have, um, our kids are friends and we have, uh, my daughter, Claire and Becky's son, Weston are, are total buddies and they're teenagers. And so there's, you know, that, that dynamic of middle school and everything. Well, toward the end of the school year, there was kind of, you know, everyone's arranging like social gatherings and things like this. And Claire decided that she was going to have a handful of friends over, um, boys, girls we were going to swim that sort of thing to make a long story short it ended up that none of the boys could even make it logistically except Weston could and so it was going to be Claire and several of her girlfriends and Weston and I you know <laughs> which I, I don't know if Weston would have totally minded I don't think he would have minded at all um and and so it's fine I didn't really think anything of it but Becky connected with me later that day or the next day or something and said hey did you do you like do you think Weston should still come? He's going to be the only boy. I'm like, oh, he's fine. It's totally fine. Well, come to find out, um, we we realized and, you know, kind of found out that Claire actually texted Weston and said, hey, do you mind not coming? Because it's going to be all girls. And so that just might be uncomfortable because then if you're the only boy, then we're just not able to talk about the things that we normally would. And Becky kind of shed light on this. And I was mortified. Do you remember my reaction? I'm like, oh, yeah. She was like, kidding. I can't believe Claire said that. And I'm I was so like, sorry, are good friends. <laughs> yeah. But then here's the point of bringing up the story. Do you remember what you said, Becky? I totally remember. Okay. What, what did said. you say to me? So I said, um, and Becky's kind of embarrassment was coming from like, I cannot believe she was so direct you with that. You don't uninvite people. That's where I was coming yeah. from. So you're, I thought you don't, I was a good mom, right? right? Like right. you don't uninvite somebody. That's so rude. And and my response was, are you kidding? This is a teenage girl who her, her and Weston have a great relationship and, and felt comfortable enough to say, hey, this probably is like the dynamic of this gathering has changed. And so probably for our sake and yours, you won't want to come. Like I would have never been able to be that like sure of myself mm -hmm. and direct in a respectful way and actually like communicate what I thought was best. Like I, I was amazed that Claire as a teenage girl was able to just like be confident enough to speak her truth in a totally loving and respectful way and have that dialogue. And the words what that a you strength. used, Becky, are I would rather have a daughter who is like that and knows how to respectfully like stand mm -hmm. her ground or offer her thought than someone who's a people pleaser. And it really struck me. Do you remember the moment? Yes. Because on the phone I was like, whoa, you are totally right. You've changed the way that I'm even thinking about mm. that. So I actually mm -hmm. now I applaud Claire that she, I mean, I still think that, you know, uninviting <laughs> <laughs> is not the very best policy all the time. But to the point that Becky was making, it really changed my perspective. So I'm going to full circle, bring it back to the point that you were making. I just really appreciate that you're bringing up. And I'm so glad that we're emphasizing this because I think it's way too easy for us as parents to look at things with critical eyes yes. because we love them more than anyone. Mm -hmm. We love our children more than other humans on the planet. And so we're going to be extra protective mm -hmm. of their character and we're going to be extra on them because we want them so desperately to be successful adults, happy adults. And so we surely know all the answers. For well, and if we're them, being right? honest, like, <laughs> I don't know what I thought my kids would be like, but they're not 
the way that I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. They're way better. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we sometimes get these images in our mind of how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Or I have a few of my kids um, are so profoundly different than I am that it's really hard for me to like Relate? recognize the strength of like, oh, you don't want to hang out with people all the time. Yeah. As where as a mom, I'm like, but I know the value in connection. Right. And when you reach out. <laughs> and But that child is like, yes, I know the value in that with the right people at the right time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's interesting as we like work through parenting and, and expectations we talk about all the time. But it's really about honoring the individual, right? Yes. You know, and I think, um, I think you know, just like you said, it, we don't know how to do this. No parent knows how to parent and you don't know how to parent your children. And you might think you know and then tell, you know, that second child comes up and you're like, oh, <laughs> this is completely different. And I'm very third child, this very moment. Absolutely. And sometimes we think we know how to parent other people's children, which if we're doing that, True. let's just stop that right now right. because right. we don't. Well, um, and you know, this kind of guides into something I wanted to say, um, which is that um, I think it's really powerful to look at um, our ancestors, like grandparents, you know, as we're kind of trying to find out who these people are. I mean, look around you, look like look into stories that may be helpful in helping you understand your children because they have come from you, you know, most of the time, unless it's adoption, right? But, but look to their parents or look to see things that are characteristics or things, strengths, things you can bring out and, and pull out. And I wanted to share a couple with you if you're all right yes, with that. Yes, please. Um, I wanted to share the story of my my grandmother, Elizabeth. Um, she was born like one pound, four ounces. And her oh, mom wow. was um, Irma May Felt. And um, Irma May um, was there at the hospital, or she was ha- having this baby. And this um, doctor basically just said, this baby's not viable. It's not going to live. I'm just going to take this baby right now. And and there was really nothing you could do during that time. So right. Well, I mean, we're talking how long ago? Like so one long. pound. Like, yeah. It's not. Survival rate on that something. now would right. probably not be fantastic. Right. I mean, right. wow. And her mother, who was Alma Elizabeth Muneer, um, she actually um, stopped the doctor right there and just said, no, you're not taking this baby anywhere. We're going to take this baby home. And she helped her own um, daughter, who'd had this baby, um, and took the baby Elizabeth home. And it's interesting, they um, kind of put oil on my grandma Elizabeth's skin, and they kind of wrapped her in these gauze, this gauze, just kind of just protect that very del- delicate mm-hmm. skin. And then they put her in a bread box Mm. on the edge of it of a of just a warming oven so that sounds scary but she would just lay on this open door of this this oven and they just um nursed her to help with a little medicine dropper and um this great woman grew to be my my grandma elizabeth who had nine children wow my and i'm just thinking about this impactful experience with her own mother her mother's mother and i'm thinking there's such power in these connecting stories. I love sharing this with my children. And this already gives them a sense of who they are. Totally. If I, if I share stories like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, a- another story I wanted to share is from my grandpa, from the same line, um, my grandpa Dunford. Some of you might be familiar with Dunford Donuts. Um, my oh, grandpa. I'm not, but now I'm hungry. <laughs> well, you should. You need one here. Dunford Donuts? Here. Oh, Dunford is it a local donut? It's place. a Utah. Oh, Utah. Yes, okay. chocolate donuts. 
I bet a lot of your readers are gonna be like, I can't believe you didn't know about Done for Donuts, well, Becky. Yeah, no, I I'm not from Utah, but I but I know a lot yes. of the treat shops in Utah. Yes. We know a good donut when we see one. <laughs> good. Can't wait to look into These that. These are the chocolate donuts. Anyway, um, and uh, something interesting that happened to his mom, um, well, his father. His father passed away an early death, and she had to go and earn a living. And she was really talented in home economics, and she became like a radio personality, and, um, and taught at the university. And but then she still needed something to supplement, and so what she did is she realized, you know, there really isn't a home delivery service for bread. Hmm. And so she and her three sons started this business where they would make bread. And they would deliver bread to your house. And this is just unheard of. If you didn't have to bake bread, I mean, you can imagine the convenience that this would mean for people. And Especially and so, at that time. Yes. And I just love looking mm. um, at these stories and seeing, you know, here she is, you know, pulled herself up by the bootstraps and she made a really hard situation work for her and for her sons. And so I love teaching our kids about these and, and we have to know them ourselves. We have to know these stories ourselves in order to teach them to our to our kids and in in the end it helps us raising them because we can right. start to be like you know what I know who went through something similar like this and this is what she did and what are you going to do or those There is no doubt that there the power that comes from knowing where you come from and we all come from such different backgrounds and family histories and of course adoption is a part of many people's story and things like that um, but in some way to be able to connect however that looks with where you have come from, how you were raised, but also ancestors, you know, go back, grandparents and past, anything that you can find out. Information and facts are fine, but you and I both know that the stories, those are great illustrations to Mm -hmm. you and your family benefiting from knowing how you connect to those who come before you Mm -hmm. and how that almost helps you to feel in my mind, tell me if I'm making this up, but in my mind, if I, if that were a story and I actually have similar stories we talk about for days, but I feel like a stronger woman because of what I know. You probably feel like an even more spirited entrepreneur yes. because of the bread Absolutely. delivery. You know, it's yes. just, I think that they're not, I think I know that there's just such a power and yes. connecting with where we came from. Yes. And so yeah. start somewhere. If you've never found out anything about your past, like there are so many online resources to really understand a lot of that. You can start at places like FamilySearch.org, um, you know, Ancestry. Like, there's so many great resources, mm-hmm. and you would be astonished to find stuff that's just there on right. the internet. It's available. Well, yeah. and and I think also just looking at your parents, like th- that direct example you had. You know, for those of you that grew up with your mom and your dad, and and um, which is probably most of us, but. And I, I know there's some people that don't have, didn't have, you know, great experiences with their parents growing up. Of course, but, yeah. But you look to people in how they parented and in what they did to help model what you do in your home. That's just, that's the only thing we can do going forward. That's the only thing we know how to do is look to people that, that we admire and model it in our own homes. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I watched my mom, uh, I'm the youngest, but... Um, she struggled with infertility for between her first and her second first or, or children firstborn and second natural born children there's 10 years of oh, wow. of of infertility yeah. issues and that's a long time and she adopted children within this time and 
um, and had a lot lot going on. Um, we had drug use in our home. I have a sister who's um, 10 years older than me, and so it started drug use at age 14. So at age four, I knew all about drug use and mm-hmm. and what that looked like in our family and mm-hmm. bringing her home and trying to get her help. And, and she still struggles to, to this day. Um, my mom had cancer. Um, and so we've had some really hard times. And what I have observed over time is that these hard things have actually made my mom more valuable to other women mm. as a mother because she has been there. She has been through these hard things and connect and can connect so beautifully now with people. I remember people calling her and her being on the phone late into the night and them sharing that their own child was into drugs and what should they do. And I just am so grateful for the hard things that you observe too, because when you have your own hard things that come, it's easier to navigate. It's easier to realize, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to be dealt, but I'm going to easily go through this because I watched my mom do it and I can do it too. You know, I want to... um... I appreciate you so much saying that because it's so interesting that you bring up something that we don't talk about a ton, and that is that we we all know and believe, and I'm I mean all meaning even our everyone in this conversation, our listeners, everyone knows that there is and can be value in the hard things that we go through. Mm-hmm. This is not rocket science; it's kind of life one hundred and one. Like hard things are not just crap. Hard things actually teach us, help us to grow. They mold us into who we are. There's actually a lot of blessings that come from the hard times. But what you said specifically about observing other people going through hard times, that's incredible. And I think that's worth just pausing and taking a moment to think about that because I believe that we all could tell stories for days about the observations that we've made as human beings looking outward Mm -hmm. within our families or out of our families but observing other people going through a struggle and the point of that being like what is it that we can take from that observation for ourselves and i believe that's probably where you're leading into this is like Mm -hmm. that's just again the word power comes to mind there's a power in doing that and thank goodness you didn't have to go through that hard thing but Come on, we all have our own hard things, but Mm -hmm. let's observe other people and learn from that and implement into our lives what makes the most sense for our journey. Well, and trials bring bring about an empathy that you cannot gain any other way. That's right. Right? Right? And we've talked about this before, but sometimes the meaning of our trials is that we now can be a tool for other people to walk them through theirs. Right. And, and, you know, um, I also think it helps you measure happiness and joy because when you have such Mm. hard things... It's harder to measure, you know, it's, 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 it's easier to measure when, you know, when you have something that's joyful and sure. happy, right. you know, and I think that's probably why my mom was just the queen of traditions. She was the queen of family bonding de- decor. Um, she made sure every nook and cranny was decorated for, for Christmas. I remember mm-hmm. these funny things um, we would have on our toilets, on our toilets <laughs> at Christmas what? time. On the toilet lid, there would be this little felt um, felt cover. We had those. Did you have it? Yes. And, then, and this, this is little, this is so cute. This like, the like it would be just like a little boy or a girl. It sounds sketchy now, but yeah, it's just cute. But he would have his like mittens over his eyes. Like, oh, so like oh. he would be this cute boy. And then when the lid opened up, his mittens would close like he's like he's not looking oh my gosh but I know it's so funny but um you know like, even all our light switches had these felt 
beautiful sequin felt things on it. And you know what? Looking back, I love that she magnified this time in our home, even with the hard, even with the challenges. And I think that's probably why I work to do the mm. same thing in yeah, my home. Yeah, has not fallen far from that tree because that is very much a part of who you are is that attention to details in the home and within the family traditions. Yes. I love that so much. Yeah. And that's an observation of your mom. It really is. And it's a direct reflection. I feel like I honor her really yes. by magnifying these times, these happy times in my home. Um, you know, I, I really love the phrase love is in the details. I really believe that. I feel like when any detail goes into anything, it's a further thought. It's an extra mile thought. And so I really love the thought of a detail and love is in the details when you've thought through something and it doesn't have to be extravagant. It's just that you thought a little further than what needed to be Absolutely. thought of. You well, know? and I love that because when you talk about love being in the details and specifically what you're talking about with that toilet seat cover, you know, doing that amidst trials and things that were happening, we're not talking, this is not a huge thing. Right. This is a very small act of like putting some, it's just a small mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So I love that you said it doesn't have to be elaborate and huge in nope. this whole experience. Mm-hmm. The, the very nature of detail you know, is a small and simple mm-hmm. thing that you can do really at any time, regardless of what's going on. Right. And it can just be as simple as housework. Like, um, I mean, I, I like, I love looking for the details in housework. You know, it would be really easy for me just to, you know, put the dishes in the dishwasher, but I'm going to show a little bit more love. Love is in the details when I take the time to, you know, um, really wipe down the counters and wipe down the rest of it. You know, I mean, there's just a little further thought, yep. you know, and past the, the have tos. It's the, what do I want to do? And how do I show love in doing that? Absolutely. I, I love that you said it takes it away from doing the have tos because mm-hmm. I think that's where the love comes in, right? And yep. and I, I firmly believe that sometimes, especially in parenting, when we're talking about um, our homes, there is a lot of love in the have tos, but I think that when you do that little extra something, that little extra detail and love, and and for me, honestly, in housework, um, if I'm having a rough week with one of my kids, I will often clean their room because I know mm-hmm. that that That's cool. brings them joy and it's something I'm doing for them. It's an expression mm-hmm. of love for that that child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that you said, because when the love really comes in, it, that have to kind of falls away, right? Yes. It becomes about the love and mm-hmm. not about the obligation. Totally. Um, another story I wanted to quickly share about my mom was the, the night before I got married. And um, I think every girl anticipates this time when they're going to have this moment where their mother talks to them. And, um, and you know, I we had set aside some time. And my mom started driving. And I thought, okay, where is she going to take me? This is really <laughs> interesting. And she started driving up uh, towards the avenues, towards the capital of um, Utah and in Salt Lake. And she stopped by the cemetery. And I thought, this is so weird. Wow. What are we doing? I'm so intrigued by your mom right now. I love her. <laughs> She's so awesome. Anyway, we drive and uh, we, we park our car right in front of the graves of her two parents. Mm. And I thought, this is so weird. Like, did she miss the cue? Like, I'm the youngest. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing? And um, my mom was so neat. And in this moment, she started to talk about the love of her parents and what she had observed, what love is and what marriage is and those type of things. And um, she said two things specifically to me. 
She said, your husband is only going to be as great as you think he is. Mm. Oh, I love Girl. that. And it's if you think so that was a that. goosebump one. Oh, no, yeah. that's, that and we talk so about this good. all the time. Yep. The importance of recognizing like how awesome mm-hmm. the people around you are. I think it's a goosebump because that's an eternal truth. Mm-hmm. I think God wants us understanding that um, we have to believe in our loved ones. We believe in who they are despite um, their own insecurities and challenges and, yeah, and weaknesses. All of that, of and it's an eternal truth. And I want people thinking that of me. So I love that she took the time to share that with me. Mm. The second thing she shared with me is to make your marriage your own. And she just advised me as a mother not to look outward, to look inward always. Don't look to see what other people are doing at the time they're doing it or whatever, just always looking inward. And I would say those two um, advice advices have been the most impactful for my marriage um, and have helped me in my parenting because I have felt more secure in my marriage. When you feel more secure in your marriage and when you foster a beautiful relationship with the one you've chosen to do life with, um, I think you have more um, power in what you're doing with your children and in what and in the process you're going through with your children. Even thinking about like those direct two things she told you, like even thinking about it, apply, you know, your children are only as great yes, as you think like they that. are. We talk about all the time, the thoughts in our head, our brain is going to constantly look for evidence to support the thoughts in our head. And if our thought is, man, that child is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to look for evidence that that child is difficult. Like right. what if we, what if we were to change that thought and think, man, I'm so lucky to have such a strong child. Mm-hmm. We're going to be looking for evidence of strength, mm-hmm. right? That really, shifting that thinking, um, I think is really, is crucial because our we will find whatever we're looking for. Right. I also want to thank your mom for the cheat sheet because I'm just going to copy and paste that with <laughs> yep. the premarital conversations I, I have with it. my children. Yeah. Um, not to make light of that, but what, what I'm thinking of also is just, you know, we're talking about intentional par- parenting. I'm trying to remember if I had a conversation like that with my mom before I got married. Bets are, we probably did, you know, whether it was sprinkled in in those days or weeks before, or if she had a conversation with me and I just don't remember because my memory truly (laughs) is not one of my greatest strengths. It just isn't. It's part of what I love about memory keeping Mm -hmm. in the very literal sense of keeping Mm -hmm. memories and writing them down. And so I would add also that when you have these um, pivotal moments like the preschool teacher that says you are creative and you and you just feel things and you want to remember them please write them down mm-hmm. when you have a conversation with your mom the day before you get married don't just think that you're going to remember that forever right because you you may not you, may not. you probably mm-hmm. won't mm-hmm. and so you know a little shout out to documenting again and again and always and forever mm-hmm. is you know just take the moment that's all it is to write these things down so that you can hold on to them and revisit them. And like Katie, you know, you get to sit here today with us and share these amazing words of wisdom from your mom Mm -hmm. that you may not have totally remembered had you not somehow like documented that or recorded it in some way. So there is, there is an indefinite power in documenting that we also are learning in this conversation as well. Right. And I think too, I want to just bring up that we, we kind of touched on this before, but if you're, if you're in a place, I'm not really sure how to say this, so I'm just going to say it. Um, Ramble girl, get it. <laughs> if you're um, 
you might not have awesome stories in your ancestry. Yeah. You may not have stories of strength or you may not have um, access to that information or, or for whatever reason. Why I love this conversation is because like maybe, you know, you had a really awful relationship with your mother, although I would totally encourage you to like look for the good in that and look for evidence of the good instead of the bad. I love that by you sharing that, we all get to benefit from that conversation you had with your mom. Totally. So even though it wasn't my mom or Becky's mom, right. we can still look to that, like you were saying before, like look to the people that that you admire. You can still take that information. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be your ancestors, although you can look for all the evidence of strength and goodness there. I love that as we share the stories of all of our families, we take ownership of all of it, right? right? Yes. You get to decide what you bring into your home. Mm-hmm. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And that's the word intentional. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it means is like you can, this can be a part of your past in your family history or not at all but either way we're all observing and and we're all like witnesses to this you know life in general so we get to pick and choose and decide very intentionally what we want to implement into our own Mm -hmm. homes into our own parenting our family life our relationships Mm -hmm. that's kind of I think part of this whole culminating thought that you're sharing today Mm -hmm. thanks for adding that back love that yeah that was very articulate oh thank you (laughs) it's like your gift it's like you know what you're saying. It's like you plan that one ahead. Okay, well, thank you so much, Katie. Did you have other things that I just don't want to gloss over? Like, were there other things yeah, that you wanted I to wanted share to on that? Yeah, I wanted to talk just a little bit more about, um, you know, recognizing the strength in your spouse and him doing the same for yes. you. Yes. That mm-hmm. give and take is just so beautiful if if you can get it going. And and that's the thing. I, I've, I've always um, had a supporting husband but I realize there are some women that don't really many, have that. Many, you know? many, yes. And so you have to kind of find where where they're going to meet you and make it work. And, and I'm not a marriage therapist. Um, but I do feel like um, you can look at the specific places they're willing to meet you and, and magnify that in whatever area it was. For me, it really was building my businesses and my husband getting behind me and letting me soar. And I think what a woman really wants is they want a chance to have an identity of their own in their in their and maybe that's just a modern day woman I don't know but I know I'm looking as my ancestors I'm feeling like those women also Mm -hmm. wanted a chance to soar Mm -hmm. and I feel like we you look for opportunities to soar in your marriage and you have to communicate them so say that part again yes (laughs) say it again Katie you have to communicate that you mean they can't read your mind (laughs) no I don't know what yeah no right right that's that's the missing piece that seems so obvious that I have myself Mm -hmm. made the mistake many a time especially Mm -hmm. in our younger years of marriage of of assuming that David knew exactly what I wanted or how I felt right yeah so please like don't don't shove these thoughts under the carpet right your husband is your husband for a reason Mm -hmm. open your mouth and do so with love and respect Mm -hmm. and that is going to bring you way more closer to meeting of the minds Mm -hmm. and getting to that place where there is that really healthy and beautiful give and take exactly do not assume that just because you've been married for x number of years that he really knows everything that you're thinking well and in fact like if you have to assume something just assume he knows nothing right truly because the key word here is support right right? i think oftentimes you again this idealistic view of marriage you get in and you think all the like insecurity inside of me my husband's gonna fix that Mm -hmm. like this relationship is gonna fix that Mm -hmm. That's totally not true. Like total, (laughs) total false, false statement. 
his job is not to fix you. Your job is not to fix him. The right. keyword is support. Yes. But you have to be the one to like start to take flight. You yeah, have to be the one. Yes. yes. Yeah. You know, and communication is sometimes really hard. There are different personalities in relationships that are just make it hard. Of Some course. people yeah. close the door immediately. I have a give and take communication with my husband, but it's not perfect. And there's been times where I've had to say this, not in a belittling way, but if I say something to him that's important to me and I'm not getting the response that I had anticipated, even if it's not the, not just a response, I'm just like, I'm not getting a response. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, this is the part where you say Mm -hmm. this and oh my gosh, I have so done that. I've told David many times the thing to say. Yes. And you know what? I don't think he has minded. I think sometimes guys are so black and white and yeah. not wrapped yeah. up in all the emotions that we are that yeah. when mm-hmm. I say, okay, this is the part where you tell me you're going to be fine, sweetheart, and I love you and you're doing a great job. Yes. And he'll say it and it's kind of a joke, but like I literally needed him to say that. He literally said the words. Yeah. He didn't have to make them up. But mm-hmm. once he said them, we're like, okay, we're mm-hmm. good. Right. <laughs> right. And he'll often do things to me where I'm like I'm not observing I'm not recognizing what he specifically is trying to tell me and we lead each other along Hmm. in our marriage we just lead each other along and um communicate as we go as best as we can and we give each other cues when we need them and it's okay yeah cues are good and also a script is just fine once in a while as well like (laughs) this is what you're supposed to say and do at this very moment right now ready set go and (laughs) to be honest what what i love about that is when you do that subconsciously or whatever you are operating off of the assumption that your husband genuinely wants to do what it is you're needing him to do to feel heard and fulfilled and loved Mm -hmm. and just the thought of of flipping your thought process to that instead of, you know, well, he doesn't, he doesn't care. He's not saying the right thing. So he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. That is so, so damaging to be thinking that way. Yes. Because again, you will be finding evidence of that in every single interaction. Mm -hmm. I also want to add, and we have talked about this before, but I'm going to say it again and I'm going to say it again and again and again and again and again until everybody understands this. Um, If you have to tell your husband or your wife what you need, um, that doesn't make the thing that you need mean less. Like if, if, if Taylor, we've talked about this before in the marriage episode, Taylor is not a husband. He is amazing and supportive and wonderful. And I'm borderline obsessed with him. He does not really think to bring me flowers that used, and that used to totally hurt my feelings. And I had to tell him like, Hey, sometimes I want flowers when he brings the flowers. It doesn't mean less because I asked for it. Mm-hmm. Right. The right. love is in the action of, I listen, I heard you and I want there to love go. you in the exactly. way you need to be loved. Yep. Exactly. And that reciprocation to me is just really what it's all about. I mean, like with him helping me with my businesses, I also in turn reciprocate and see what makes him sore beyond business life or, mm-hmm. you know, serving elsewhere and Absolutely. things, you know, um, he's, he is so fun. And so specifically with my husband, um, we have like this family ATM. That sounds really funny, but his thought process was let's really teach our kids the value of m- money by actually giving them a real experience with an ATM. So we got this ATM on Craigslist. Oh, like a real a ATM. Real ATM. We literally have this ATM. You are the cutest, ATM. most fun family ever. Katie, can you please take a picture of that and send it to us yes, for show notes? Because will... that is so cool. Oh. It is so fun. And um, at first I was like, whatever you want to do, honey. And then after I was listening to him, 
and the meaning behind it, I I like became his number one fan, right? Right. So what happens is he presents an idea or I present an idea. At first, it's a little wishy-washy. Totally. And, and then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I am completely on board with this because I'm recognizing this is helping you soar. Mm. And so you want to do it because why? We love each other. And so this family ATM is so fun. And so our kids, they'll earn money. And we just transfer money into their account and they all have ATM cards. And when they need money, they just go and get the money out of the ATM. Oh and when the gosh. when it's out... This is so cool. <laughs> they, and they have to pay the fee. And when it's out, they actually are realizing, oh, I think I have to earn money. And we tell them, oh, I guess you've got to earn money. Because that's real oh, life and we're not man. just going to give this to you. That is so good. So this family ATM has been an incredible experience. At first, one of those funny, funny things. But right. I was like, okay, I want I'm an on board ATM. with this. I'm going to just say <laughs> it. Like, I will be looking on Craigslist. <laughs> My husband is going to be so into this idea. Hey, can I give a little shout out to something also? I want to give a little shout out to my friend called Resistance Mm. because, you know, you speak to sometimes one of you in your marriage will bring up an idea and the other one will be like, ah. And um, I definitely am a resistor. I'm a pretty conservative person when it comes to like, I don't know, I'm not risk averse. I mean, hello, I've taken huge risks in my life, but there are certain things that I'm like, I don't know. And my husband is almost 99% of the time He's totally right about an idea mm-hmm. that is absolutely going to be so fantastic. Shout out to my friend Becky Prophet. She's the same way in our relationship. <laughs> She's for sure the one that will like propose something that I'm like, um, <laughs> and you know, to be honest, I've done the same with her on a few big things, but yeah, like for sure. a lot of, a lot of things that she's brought up, I just, I'm, I'm resistant about it or with mm-hmm. David, I'm resistant about it. And as soon as I like get on board with, this is a person who loves me mm-hmm. and who's also really smart and a great human being, and I just go with that, I would want to be honored the same way. And I, you know, and I have been, you know, mm-hmm. like I, people go along with the things that I yeah. propose. And I think that that is part of the give and take as well. I, so I maybe a so. little less resistance can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, lean into the things that the loved ones are offering to you and you will see how much better your life can be right. because of it. And I think the more experience you have doing this, the more there are opportunities for creative things to happen oh, within yeah. your within your home. Like, so and also riding scooters around Salt Lake City and going to New Kids on the Block. <laughs> well, it's true though. My husband and I <laughs> talked suggestions that I resisted, and it was such and a it's blast. awesome. Uh, my husband and I talked about this actually in our in our early marriage because one of his um, kind of sensitive hotspots is like when he has ideas, he really wants to be heard, and had some experiences as a child where like you know, he was made to feel stupid Mm -hmm. about something, even Mm -hmm. though he's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think just the honoring of the ideas and sometimes our immediate resist, our immediate reaction can be like, that's dumb. What are you talking about? But we have to be really careful with those responses and the messages we're sending to our kids. Mm -hmm. And I would say most importantly to our spouse when they're bringing up ideas. And like you said, when you're in that headspace of, um, ideas and kind of creating ideas and creativity that's like a ball that keeps rolling Mm -hmm. and so if you are constantly like blocking blocking that thought process every time they bring up an idea they're not going to bring up any ideas which means they're not going to be using that creative thinking part of their brain right and you're going to miss out on a lot of really really amazing things I agree well one example is um a few summers ago my husband said you know I want to go take the kids on a like a, a cross country trip and I'm like okay I've heard of people doing that. That sounds good. And I, I didn't know how we'd make it really work with his work and everything, but we figured it out. 
And what sounded like something that would be really hard in the end ended up being probably the best memory of my children's lives. We went to 25 states within three weeks. We called it the Hughes half, like a half marathon. And we just literally like had the best time. And from this experience, we're planning a trip this summer in Europe, a European road trip. And, um, and what that has allowed for us is that now we have this, um, track record. You create a track record with your, it's like an investment or a track record. It's like you, if you have a good track record and a good trust level of things, I mean, not everything is a success, but if you allow for creativity to be within your marriage and for allow each other, you know, to soar and you have experiences with the give and take and, and supporting each other in your grand ideas, then it, it makes for opportunities with your kids to just almost be laid out before you totally you know so it's no not a big deal when my daughter came to me a few years ago and said I want to start a campaign called posting the positive she got it going in Arizona and it was this great thing and was able to speak at this Google conference and um, oh, like a social media social campaign. media campaign, mm-hmm. just about posting the positive, mm-hmm. Let, oh, you know. And so it was her. it was not a big deal in the end. I was like, I can do this because I've been supported. I know what it takes, and I can help you in this creative endeavor. Another thing, my son and my husband decided to do this thing called the Dull Whip Hula Hut. They have this little cute little um, hula hut that they created. It just looks like a little Hawaiian stand on wheels they just made it you know from scratch and it goes onto this little golf cart but you know now he has his little endeavor to you know to be an entrepreneur to create something and so if we do this within our relationships I guess the point I want to make is when we do it in our relationships and we have a good track record we start to be able to recognize the cues from our kids for various needs for creativity or even for times for help you know, I recognized a cue last fall with uh, one of my daughters. Um, I just was sitting there and had an impression and a, th- a thought come to me that I needed to kind of check in with her with our move and how it was going. And um, this was a huge experience. This tiny, tiny cue, but this experience we ended up kind of walking through together in a in a um, just a personal way really was powerful but I knew to listen to the cues because I'd had experience listening to the cues in my marriage and in other parts of my so I I think there's something powerful about that very powerful listening to cues is something that really to me ties back to stillness which is something that we talked about with Hillary Weeks in the first it was probably in the first 10 episodes or so I can't remember which episode that one was either but I think that when you talk about intentional parenting that is probably, in my mind, probably in you, for your minds as well, but that's like at the top of the list of mm-hmm. what intentional parenting is. Yes. You can't be aware of the needs of your children or the creative ideas that come to your mind about how to parent and what to do in your home if you aren't taking a moment here and there or on a regular basis for that matter to be still and to notice. Mm-hmm. The cues are huge mm-hmm. and we it's up to us to notice them, mm-hmm. to find them, to seek for them, to want them, mm-hmm. and honestly to pray for them, mm-hmm. like to pray for being aware of the cues if, mm-hmm. if that's something that is important to you. Absolutely. And you know, I think that God can direct our cues for others around us. I mean, there's been, I, I remember a cue that I, I received from someone that moved into my area 
um, her mom had actually reached out to me and had expressed a hope that I could connect with her. And I was like, mm. oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Here is this mom who's reached out who wants me to connect with us. I'm more than happy. My heart wanted to do it. And um, I had this distinct thought um, of what I should do. And it was taking her a picture of something. And I found this perfect picture. And I got it developed. I bought it off Etsy, got it developed. I took it. And and when I picked it up, this picture was nothing what I had hoped it would be. Hmm. It wasn't good enough. And I was like, okay, I'm not taking her this. This isn't quite what I had envisioned in taking this to her. So I'm just going to set this aside. Well, I got busy in my life. And... I still had it on the back burner. I had the thought and the hope and the dream that I would actually do this and take this to her. But in the end, I just got busy. And at one of my shows, I had a friend come up to me who was a common friend between this friend and I. And she said, have you talked to so-and-so lately? And I said, "Uh, no, but I know I'm supposed to reach out to her. And she began to say, you know, I had this very distinct thought one day that I needed to take this picture of her to so-and-so. And And she proceeded to say how she took this big, gorgeous picture of what this was to this woman. And, um, And I just hugged her because here was God working to give a cue and it wasn't how I had approached it. How I'd approached it wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't not, not that you it wasn't enough. You weren't approaching it with the goal of being a B minus is what you weren't doing. Exactly. I was needing <laughs> the A plus. Right? You know right. what I'm talking about. And, like, and yeah, that's what I would do. Exactly. And yet God needed something done. That's right. And he took the opportunity to give this other woman a cue. And so I like that concept of listening, being still, you know, in marriage and family and with our neighbors and loving others. God gives them to us. We have to listen and be willing to act and um, because he loves all his children. And so he's going to find opportunities to bless and love in whatever capacity is needed at the time. And if we're really being in tune with those cues, then we get to be the ones that get to be an instrument in God's hands, which is just adding right so many blessings to right. our own life, right. right? I love that. I love that. And so really what I what I feel and what I pull from what you're saying and as we wrap up this conversation is when it comes to being intentional in our homes and with our families, there's no way that those principles and the application of all of that we've talked about can't apply outside of the home as well. Right. And in, in the other relationships that we have. Yeah. And I feel like that when we become more intentional in an area of our life, it can't help but spill into the other areas. Right. Right. And home becomes that ultimate education. I mean, we learn at home how to love. We learn at home how to forgive. And when we have that within our home, our children, as they leave our home, will know what to do. They'll know how to listen to cues themselves That's as right. they've watched that happen. And so we model in our home what we want, you know, to happen out in the community. And you start to see it. I think you start to see it in the friendships of your of your kids, mm-hmm. you know, like with you two. And you start to see it. And no one's ever perfect. We're all learning and we're all recognizing room for grace. But um, I think we also recognize so much good that can come as we emphasize what's happening in our home and recognize how we can, you know, 
portray that in the community and with loved ones and those around us. Absolutely. That's it. That's how you change the world, right? Pretty much. You start with yourself and your family and that really is how the world changes. The trickle effect will happen. Mm -hmm. This has been one of my favorite conversations of my life. (laughs) I'm serious. I really, really sincerely mean that. I really, I really sincerely cannot wait to listen back and with a pen in my hand because there have been some things that have come up that are just a, a, almost like a twist on what I already know in my heart to be true, mm-hmm. but I hadn't thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And I just really value this time with you, Katie. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank, Thank you for your wisdom and your insight and your light and um, and for this conversation that I hope has made a really Im- a strong impact on those who have been listening as well. Can you remind everyone where to find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, thank you so much also for having me um, and giving me this opportunity to just voice what's in my heart and, and share a little love. Um, I guess on Instagram, at the Hughes House, um, that's, that's where we can be found. And then I link to other things. on H-U-G-H-E-S. My... Yes, don't yeah. forget the H, otherwise it's Hughes's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which often happens. So. I'm sure it does. Um, so That's yeah, perfect. the Hughes house. Thank you so much. Perfect. Okay. Thanks for being here. And thanks you guys always for being here and listening. And we feel your heart in the conversation as well. So if there's something that you have heard that you feel is such a distinct and direct takeaway that you can apply today or this week or really soon in your life, don't ignore the cue. That would be kind of the thing that we should all be doing right now. All right, guys, we'll be with you next week. Take care. talk about how I met Katie too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All the intro stuff. I'm going to talk about how I know Katie. I'm going to talk about my friend first. (laughs) She was your friend first. Was she though? I guess we'll find out because I don't know how you guys connected. Don't tell me. Yes, you do. You were there. Oh, you guys only met at. Okay, here we go. Ready? Mm -hmm. Let's save all this for the real, the real thing. Remember you were there. Remember that one time I was there and you met? And you introduced us. Remember that time? (laughs) No, I actually don't. Have you heard of my memory? It's why I scrapbook. (laughs) 